You are listening to the podcast of the Council on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. CBMW exists to promote the Bible's teaching on men, women, and marriage. Learn more at cbmw.org. The Danvers Statement summarizes the need for the Council on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood and serves as an overview of our core beliefs. This statement was prepared by several evangelical leaders at a CBMW meeting in Danvers, Massachusetts in December of 1987. In this podcast series, we are walking through the Danvers Statement line by line as we discuss the statement's biblical basis and ethical implications. I'm Colin Smothers, Executive Director of CBMW. My name is Denny Burke. I'm the President of CBMW. On this episode, we are continuing to look at the purposes of the Danvers Statement, which say that we engage to pursue the following purposes to bring, quote, healing to persons and relationships injured by an inadequate grasp of God's will concerning manhood and womanhood. Denny, what are they talking about to bring healing to persons and relationships injured? Well, this is a good example of the practicality of the doctrine that we hold to, because we are really aren't just arguing about how many angels can dance on the head of a pen. We're talking about real people, real relationships. And if you ignore God's design, say, in a marriage, and a husband is abandoning the roles that he's called to as a husband— to be the leader and the protector and the provider, to be the head of his home. When he's not doing that, he actually harms his family. It um, It's not good for them. It's not good for a wife. It's not good for the children. The relationships are strained in a variety of ways. And likewise with a wife, when she's not living into the calling that God puts on her life as a wife, it's not good for the, the relationships. And so it says here to bring healing to persons and relationships injured by an inadequate grasp of God's will concerning manhood and womanhood. Well, when we get into the actual um, affirmations of Danvers, we'll, we'll spend some more time on this. But just as an example, um, you know, men who are abandoning or abdicating their role as leader in the home, what, what do they do? They tend to be either aggressive and abusive on one hand or passive and disengaged on the other. And you can fall off the horse on either side of it. And if you're abusing your authority and using it to serve yourself and, and perhaps even um, sadly, some people to harm others, that's wrong. And you're, you're harming relationships, you're harming people, and there's going to have to be healing from that. Likewise, if you're just sort of passive and disengaged from a family, that's wrong too. And you're, you're going to frustrate your wife, frustrate your children, and you're going to have to have healing there. And so a part of all of this, we want to glorify God first and foremost, but the byproduct of glorifying God by following his word means that we're living into his design, which is good for us. So God's glory and our good are not at odds when it comes to manhood and womanhood. And so that's why this is written into the purposes. Right. So we are saying that this noble biblical vision of sexual complementarity, it's not just only true, but it's actually good. And it's good for us to promote it. And as we promote it and as people embrace it, as people in the home, people in the church embrace it, uh, we think that it's going to bring healing because that's what God's word will do. That's what God's word promises. The second purpose says that we aim to help both men and women realize their full ministry potential through a true understanding and practice of their God-given roles. I think it's interesting that we're talking about both men and women realizing their full ministry potential. It means we have an understanding of women in ministry, right? Exactly. And we have an understanding of men in 
in ministry. I mean, it's it's both things. So complementarianism is not just about what women can't do. It's it's a total vision of what God has called both men and women to do. And yeah, we want both men and women to understand that they're called to ministry. So the Great Commission is given to all Christians. All Christians are called, we believe, to make disciples of all the nations. Now, the fact that the Great Commission is given to all of us and that we're all called to be making disciples, it doesn't mean that we're all going to be exercising the same roles and functions with, within that. So, um, so for example, you know, the men, it's only going to be qualified men who are going to be serving and governing and, and teaching roles with, within the church when it comes to you know, governing and shepherding the whole church. Um, women, we believe the Bible is going to give them a helping role in that. Now, are they going to be making disciples? Yeah, they are. Are they going to be teaching in certain contexts? Yes, they are. And we want to encourage that and we want to see them flourish in their ministries and gifting. But what happens is that sometimes, um, people, um, go beyond or outside of the callings that God puts on men and women's lives. And, you know, one of the main purposes of the Danvers statement is to is to define what exactly those callings are, so that people can live in accordance with Scripture. Right, and we should say that the Bible does not only envision men and women partnering together in ministry, but there's positive commands like in Titus two for uh, the older women to minister and teach the younger women um, what it is to inhabit this God given role that they've been assigned. Absolutely, you you as I said. All of us are called to some kind of ministry. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're called to exercise the gifts that God has given you so that you can benefit and edify the body of Christ. We don't have all have the same gifts. 1 Corinthians 12 is very clear. There's a diversity of gifts, a common source, the Holy Spirit, but a diversity of gifts. And we shouldn't all expect to have the same gifts, but we all do have the responsibility to use whatever gifts the Lord gives us in order to bless and to edify the body. That applies to both men and women. And so we know we, we want both men and women to, to fulfill their full ministry potential, and we want them all deployed faithfully following the Lord. Well, and part of what we're talking about when we're talking about men and women's roles, these God-given roles, is part of that underlying design in uh, God designing us as male and female, man and woman. And that, uh, when we recognize fully what God's vision is um, for us created in His in His image, it helps us to do the third thing, which this purpose is is listing here. It says, we aim to promote the spread of the gospel among all peoples by fostering a biblical wholeness in relationships that will attract a fractured world. So even the Danvers statement here we're saying is it has an evangelistic purpose. Absolutely. I mean, look at the the culture that we're living in right now, especially in the secular West, what's happening to men and women? Well, they're getting married less. Uh, marriage is on the decline. Um, children out of wedlock is still a, a problem in the world. And what's going on here? Uh, you're seeing al- alternate sexualities becoming mainstreamed and normalized. You're seeing alienation between the sexes. You're not seeing the coming together of the sexes into some new and unified whole. And no matter what um, secularists and feminists and others say, they're not offering a vision that's going to change any of that. And, and, and in fact, if anything, they're, they're further 
alienating and atomizing us into our own little silos. And so that's not what the biblical vision is, though. The biblical vision is it make it's wholesome. <laughs> it, it brings together into a holy um, coherence men and women in the way that they think about one another and the way that they relate to one another. Now, it starts in the home, and it starts with a husband and a wife living into the, the callings that God puts onto their lives, but it also involves the rest of the culture, the rest of society, and beginning with the church, understanding what marriage is and blessing and upholding and promoting marriage. And if you don't have a culture that respects and promotes and honors marriage, then yeah, you're going to have brokenness everywhere. And so that's why this purpose here is so key to promote the spread of the gospel among all peoples by fostering a biblical wholeness in relationships that will attract a fractured world. And we can't forget that it was the apostle Paul who says in Ephesians chapter five, that, you know, uh, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ in the church, meaning that marriage is intended to be a little icon of the gospel. The way that men and women relate to one another, beginning in marriage, is supposed to be depicting to the world the way that Christ loves his church and the way the church loves and affirms her head, Christ. That's what it's supposed to be. And if that little icon is broken, there is something that happens to our witness in the world. It becomes less uh, luminescent, less attractive than it otherwise would be. And so, yeah, we want to promote and spread the gospel among all peoples by fostering a biblical wholeness in relationships that will attract a fractured world. Yeah, Denny, just to put a, a fine point on those statistics as you mentioned in terms of just the bottom falling out on on marriage rates and birth rates, uh, for a, a class I was teaching a while back, I brought together some statistics, and here's just some of the astonishing ones. The birth rate today in the U.S. is 1.64. That's well below replacement rate at two. Apart from immigration, our population would be shrinking right now. Marriage rate is around six marriages per 1,000 people, which is well under half of what it was just 50 years ago. Out-of-wedlock births are up to 40% of all births, according to women that are not married, so outside of, of wedlock. And, and then you, you know, since the Danvers Statement publication, you see um, the identification of LGBT identities just pro proliferate. And all of that spells sort of this, uh, this really dire situation when it comes to marriage and family and exactly what you're talking about. Um, in terms of God's design being marriage displaying the gospel, that, that picture is shrinking for people. And so what we're saying in the Danvers Statement is a recovery of genuine design around manhood and womanhood, around male and female, around marriage, will actually help societies to flourish, not only just in society in general, but also grasp the gospel, become evangelized toward the Lord Jesus Christ. That's right. There is an attractiveness to God's design. And when people see a husband and a wife loving each other, serving each other, and living into what God has called them to be, that's going to be something that's attractive to people on the outside. And that's what we're called to do, and that's what we're trying to promote with the Danvers Statement. Resources like the CBMW Podcast are made possible by generous donations from listeners like you. Please consider giving at cbmw.org forward slash give. Thanks for listening.